Have you felt these holiday stressors? Food temptations and sugar everywhere. Food pushers trying to get you to eat what they made. People you have to see who talk about topics you don't want to talk about. Foods that are only available this time of year and you struggle with fear of missing out. Feeling like you might as well just say screw it to any attempts to be healthy until January. Getting close to the end of the year and judging yourself for not being further along in your goals. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to wait until after the next holiday to prioritize your health. You don't have to resign yourself to stress, exhaustion, deprivation, discomfort, and shame this holiday. In my self-care keto holiday guide, you'll get a plan to navigate the food opportunities of the holidays from a mindset of self-care with a 50-page easy-to-use downloadable and printable guide, 26 easy, delicious keto holiday recipes that everyone will love, a holiday planner exercise that you can reuse holiday after holiday, year after year, and a bonus emotional eating mindset exercise. You're going to design a holiday plan that's focused on what you will actually enjoy because it's your holiday too. Uncover the people-pleasing mindsets that cause you to self-sabotage on holidays, have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you, have exciting new recipes to try, know how to handle food pushers and awkward food conversations, Develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating at the holidays. Know how to succeed anywhere, at home, at someone else's house, even at a restaurant or traveling. Feel in control and have zero regrets and be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a holiday. You can instantly download this great new resource for just $19 at theketofit.com slash holiday. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Keto Fit Weight Loss Coaching for Women. I am your coach, Jess. I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. And I am so excited today. We're going to be talking about self-care carnivore. So we're going to be talking about the carnivore diet, how it can be practiced as a form of self-care, the benefits that are included, and I have a very special guest who's going to be joining us in just a moment. Her name is Coach Jen Winkler, and she is an ancestral eating coach who helps busy, burnt-out moms um, heal their hormones and uh, heal their health. So she's just tuning in with us right now, and I'll be bringing her in. So um, Jen is another one of those amazing people that I met through Instagram. Here we go. Should be here in just a second. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jess. How are you? (laughs) I am great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. It's been a busy morning. <laughs> yes, and good morning to everybody on the West Coast and good afternoon to everybody on the East Coast. And we're so excited to be doing this Instagram live together. And um, before you came in, Jen, I was introducing you briefly as an ancestral eating coach who has been following a carnivore diet for a while now, and it has really transformed your life. And you do use it as um, a tool with your clients, but falling under the umbrella of ancestral eating. And um, I was saying that I met you through Instagram. So I've really been enjoying doing a bunch of IGTV um, episodes, or I guess they're not even calling it that anymore. Did you hear this? Now it's called well, Instagram video. Yeah. yeah, no more IGTV. It's over. It's just Instagram video. <laughs> so 
I can't keep up with it anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. But I've been um, enjoying going live with lots of different guests in the past couple of months. And I've been really looking forward to having you on. And um, you. it goes live on my podcast as well next week. So um, basically, if anybody's tuning in right now, and you're like, dang it, I can't stay for this whole thing, you'll be able to watch the playback, you'll be able to catch the audio later on the self care keto podcast. But what I love to do is just um, introduce my audience to other people that I really respect and who I think can really fill in the gaps for a lot of things that I just don't know about. I'm just one person and I like to share what I feel like I know what I'm talking about, but there's so many things where other people are so much better at sharing this information than I am. And um, so many of you have been reaching out to me saying that you really enjoyed the most recent episodes of the podcast and that you've been enjoying following um, the different people that you've been hearing from. So everybody go follow uh, at Coach Jen Linkler. Um, and, uh, you know, press pause right now, go follow her, go check her out because she is fantastic. And we're going to be talking about all things carnivore today and how we can use carnivore as a form of self-care. So Jen, would you introduce yourselves to us? Would you share a little bit about how did you, um, come upon eating low carb and keto and then transitioning to carnivore? Like how has this transformed your life and your family's life? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, can you hear me okay? Because I forgot my earbuds. Yes, I can hear you great. Okay, perfect. And my dog might be scratching at the door for a little bit. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, I, I started um, low carb, I would say 2017. And that was just, it was after my pregnancy. I had a baby boy September of 2016. And it was a very difficult pregnancy, gained about 80 pounds total during the pregnancy. My doctor was always like, yeah, you're fine. You'll be okay. I'm like, mm, I'm really not. Right. <laughs> um, I was diagnosed with insulin resistance prior to that. Um, but by the blessing of God, I was still able to um, conceive and have a child. So after post-pregnancy, when it was, I, it was safe enough to lose the weight, I went low carb. Um, I lost a little bit, but I a lot of the other issues were still there, mental um, anxiety, tired, fatigue, inflammation, joint pains. Um, also, I, for those of you that don't know me, I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was in fifth grade. So I was on the highest dose of two medications that they can give and later on found out it was actually more than the highest dose. Um, so that was also causing a lot of side effects in me, uh, most of it being mental. Um, stuff. So I had the goal of trying to lower my medication um, because I didn't, yeah, it was uncomfortable. So I had heard of ketogenic a long time ago when I was in college, but my neurologist was saying, you know, that's just for children with epilepsy. Sorry, you can't do it. So I eventually, um, we watched The Magic Pill on Netflix in 2018. My husband suffers from colitis and he was in the middle of a really big flare, had lost a lot of weight. It was actually pretty scary. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a two to three month long flare. Wow. And so both of us needed to change something. So I said, why don't we just try this? You know, after watching the documentary, it wasn't subjective. It was very objective. A lot of facts. Yeah. We said, all right, let's try it. He was going to try a juice cleanse at that time, which for mm -hmm. some people may have worked. But after everything he's learned, it has completely, he's very excited he went this route. Yeah. So we went ketogenic. Um, his flare disappeared within five weeks, and he was able to, he just eventually forgot to take his medication and realized nothing's happening. I'm fine. Wow. 
So he hasn't taken his medication in three years. Um, yeah. He hasn't had any flare-ups. The only time he had one very small flare-up was when our son got strep and then he got strep. So mm-hmm. antibiotics, it's going to screw up your gut even more. Right. So that was the only time, but he's been great. He did carnivore over um, Lent before Easter, and he really liked it. Um, but then he missed his desserts and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> he came back to keto. Uh, myself... So I've been keto since then. I've lost a, a lot of weight, actually. The scale total, I've lost uh, about 50 pounds Congrats. since doing keto. Thank you. But I think the scale is just like a reflection of gravity. So for me, the biggest accomplishment is how many inches I've lost and how good I feel, the energy I have. So I've lost about 30 inches total throughout mm-hmm. my whole body, um, down from a size 16 down to a 10. Wow. And uh, yeah, the, the mental aspect, the anxiety is gone. I mean, I think just the common stuff that everybody gets, I get that. Um, but I don't have the panic attacks I used to get. And uh, being able to be patient with my son <laughs> yeah. is a big one to be able to listen to him. So yeah, so that's how I got on it. Uh, the reason I went to carnivore was because as good as I felt on keto, there were still things I wanted to fix. Mm. Um, I was still getting bloating. My So being epileptic, I need to have a therapeutic dosage of ketosis. Mm. And for those of you that don't know, I measure my ketones um, through the blood monitor thing, and I also check my glucose. So I after about two to three years of keto, which this is very common to happen, the ketones that are measured in the blood eventually go down because your body is utilizing it more properly. So for me, I still need that high range to use it for a therapeutic purpose. I don't know if you can hear my dog. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's like so distracting. Um, Yeah. So when I went carnivore, my ketones just like skyrocketed to to a healthy point, not like I'm going to go into ketoacidosis or something, but it's been consistent for six months. I have not had low ketones. My, the leftover fat that I still needed to get rid of has been melting off. My energy has spiked even more. It's kind of one of those things where you start feeling better and then you go, wow, I didn't realize I could be even better. And so I've just been thriving on it. My gut has been very calm. Um, I know some people ask about bathroom stuff. That was even calmer for me on carnivore than on keto. Um, So yeah, I've been carnivore since then. And right now I'm trying to, which I think we're going to get into this later. I'm slowly reintroducing vegetables to see what my body can and cannot take. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. And at what point in your journey did you decide that you wanted to become a coach and what kind of training have you decided to go through with? And like, what, what are you specializing in? Yeah, absolutely. So I go, currently I'm going through Mark Sisson's program called um, Primal Health Institute. And through that, through both levels, I can become board certified. So I'm currently going through that training, but more so I think just life, life experience as well as podcasts. I've listened to hundreds of podcasts over three and a half, almost four years. I mean, every day I'm listening to one or two of them and not just people's experiences, which is some of it, but actual science behind it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of self-education, learning, becoming my own doctor, but I do like having that credential. It just gives people more trust. So that's one of the reasons going through Primal Health um, Institute. As far as why I'm doing it, gosh, I've always been 
like a teacher mindset. I've either taught in elementary school or I've taught at church. Uh, that's kind of what my major is. So, you know, when you experience something life changing, Mm-hmm. whether it's in a spiritual realm or physical realm, you can't help but shout it from the rooftop. Yeah. Like you just, guys, I see you struggling. You have to try this. And I don't believe everybody needs to be strict keto or strict carnivore or anything like that. But I do want people to be more educated on how and why they should make these decisions, um, mm-hmm. whether it be carnivore or keto. And there's still so many faulty misconceptions out there about, things like cholesterol, like, oh, I'm going to get a heart attack. Or mm-hmm. I, I, after how many studies I have read that mm-hmm. disprove that, mm-hmm. people still believe it. So I just, I like to help people understand and meet them where they're at. And uh, there were people asking me, seeing my journey and saying like, hey, can you help me? And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I can only do so much for free. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured this would be an, uh, a good next life calling for the next step in life. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how you're pointing out that basically, you know, I always say there's, there's no mistakes or no wasted time in God's economy. Like all of the things that you have done in your past have like melded together to equip you perfectly to do this right now. And, you know, another really beautiful thing is that when we can take our past pain and transform it into purpose, that's such a beautiful example of healing and, you know, passing it on. And so I love that you're, that you're doing that and your story is amazing and I'm so excited to be connected with you. Um, And yeah, I, I just value your friendship already because, you know, for those of you that are tuning in, like you can make friends on Instagram guys, like it's really awesome. And I've been following Jen for a while and, you know, we have had some, you know, just one-on-one conversations, getting to know each other and, it's really kind of funny because we have a lot of similarities. Um, her son is the same age as my daughter. Like they're both, you know, born in uh, 2016. Yours, your son was September. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter was October, 2016. We both One used month. to do like ministry stuff and churches. Um, and the crazy thing about it is Jen lives in Phoenix right now. I live in Virginia beach, but we grew up 20 minutes apart from each other in Massachusetts. So it's such a small world out there. And you know, Instagram gets a lot of hate, social media gets a lot of hate, but it really can be a beautiful tool um, to make great friends. And I'm, I'm just so excited that I get to introduce you to everybody um, you. that follows me. And I'm also excited to be introduced to your followers right now, too. <laughs> so hello, everybody. Um, so I have, I just need to say I have loved growing community on Instagram and yeah. getting to know people and just conversing, especially as a mom at home who doesn't have a job at a business somewhere, like I'm just home. This is my community and community is so important. I mean, we talk about nutrition, we talk about fitness, but to have some sort of relationship and granted, I love having it in person more so, but for those days that you just can't get out to have those people that get you and you can have fun with and laugh at their reels or whatever it is, which I love making their fun. Um, Yeah, I, I love the community. Yeah. That's awesome. So for those of, um, of us who are tuning in that are like carnivore, what the heck is that? That sounds crazy. What do you yeah. even eat? Um, so can you share with us a little bit about, okay, what exactly is the carnivore diet? What do you eat? What do you avoid? Are there different variations of it? Like are some people more strict than others? Just kind of like a general information about it. Yeah, no, definitely. So 
like I said, I've been carnivore six months. Um, for me, my purpose of going carnivore was as an elimination diet. On keto, there were still things that were messing with me, causing me to gain more weight and, and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, let me just go carnivore. I love meat. I, I think I can do it. My husband did it. I can do it. <laughs> so six months. Um, one of the differences with keto and carnivore was keto. I was very snacky still. Mm. I'm not a moderator. I'm definitely an abstainer. Same. So, <laughs> yeah. So allowing myself to have those keto sweets, I'm like, well, I'm keto. I'll just have it one day. Like I'll make some cookies for family and then, oh, I can have one. And, and then next thing you know, I spiral and I can't stop. So that was one motivator for me to become carnivore it was okay. The sweets need to get under control. Uh, my cravings need to get under control as well as all the stuff I said earlier. So, um, so I said it was snacky and then on carnivore, that snackiness started disappearing. Mm -hmm. So I really only eat like twice a day. I'll have my coffee in the morning. Most carnivores have coffee. It's from a bean, like whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it's fine. Um, if it's not fine for you, then you eliminate it. That's the best part of carnivore. It's an elimination diet. You figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, so I'll have my coffee in the morning. I put a splash of heavy cream. To me, I'm still fasting. It depends on the purpose of the fast. Mm -hmm. But for my purpose, it's still fine. I'm running around, bringing my kid places. I'm going to the gym, et cetera. So, um, so it works fine. I don't get hungry till around noon, mm -hmm. typically. It also depends on my cycle, which that's one thing I specialize with women is um, some people say it doesn't matter in your cycle. I say it does. Your hormones mm -hmm. are fluctuating. You might be trying to grow a baby, like you never know. So certain parts of my cycle, I do eat earlier, some is later. But most of the time, it's about two meals, mm -hmm. and I'm very satisfied on it. So I'll have like a pound of, an example, a pound of ground beef that I do in the air fryer. Katie Kelly, who's a popular carnivore, um, little, little Bit of Fit is her name. Mm -hmm. She's popular with the air fryer stuff. So I make like little meat nuggets I had yesterday, mm -hmm. about a pound worth, and then I'm full until dinner at 5.30 and whatever my husband decides to make because I take care of the kiddo. Mm -hmm. um, steak, different cuts of meat, so New York strips. Uh, if ribeye's on sale, we'll have that. That's like a dessert for us. Um, chicken, depending on the type of, ch like chicken wings, chicken breasts. The chicken breasts are more leaner, so some we'll have to add some fat to it. Um, I do do fish twice a week to get the omega threes because mm -hmm. that is very important uh, for, especially for women and hormonal balance. So twice a week, I'll have different kinds of fish, whatever's on sale again, making sure it's wild caught. Otherwise you're not getting as many nutrients. Um, but yeah, it's, it's typically ranging about two pounds of some sort of animal based meat fish. Um, I do do dairy. Some carnivores do not do dairy because mm -hmm. it causes inflammation, especially dairy in the U.S. Mm -hmm. can be a big issue for some people. Um, I don't do a lot of dairy. I might do like some Tillamook cheddar cheese mm -hmm. a couple times a week. And then my heavy cream is just, a, it's literally a splash. I'm not like half a cup. Right. Like, like I used to be when I'd go to Dunkin', I'd be like extra, extra, oh, yeah. extra cream, <laughs> extra sugar. Uh, no, yeah. it's, it's, I like the coffee taste. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the most part. It's, I like it. It's very simple. I don't have to think about what am I having for dinner? It's going to be meat or it's going to be fish, throw it on the grill, throw it on the skillet, whatever it is. So it makes life simpler in a hectic world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically carnivores eat only meat and or animal products like eggs. Yep. Some people do dairy. Some oh, people don't do dairy. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So what about keto sweeteners? Do some people include them? Yeah, they do. And it just, again, it depends on the reason the person is doing carnivore. There are a lot of people that go to carnivore to help with that sweet addiction. Yeah. And those type of people will typically not have any stevia or sweeteners or anything in there. Um, there are some carnivores that are like, honey, it's fine because technically it's from an animal. But again, what is your purpose? Are you trying to control your blood sugar? Honey still gives you a blood sugar spike. So it just depends on your why, what the reason is. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Yeah, what about somebody that's just like approaching it for weight loss, but they're like, yeah. I have to have my morning coffee with my couple drops of sweetener. Yeah, no, I, I think it's all about meeting people where they're at. So yeah. I will say for myself, um, I use a collagen powder that is sweetened with stevia. Okay. And it's a dark, it's a dark chocolate one. And I'll give myself a treat once in a week, because this is the thing when people stress too much about can I have the sweetener? Can I have this? Can I have that? The stress then raises your cortisol and causes the opposite effect of what you're trying to accomplish. So for me, I'd rather be like, you know what? It's been a few days since I've had chocolate in my coffee. I'm going to throw some of that collagen powder in there. Give myself a treat. It helps to relax myself. Dark chocolate can be good for you depending on who you are. Um, so yeah, there are some people that will have it. And then some, if they have that one, it sets them off. So then right. It's all about finding that balance, your wife. It's just weight loss. I'd say it's probably fine. Again, it just depends on the person. Yeah. For me, yeah. it hasn't affected mine anymore. So Yeah. I love that too because I mean we're we we both definitely agree on this, but whenever you're approaching nutrition from a place of self care, it's not about surrendering your will to somebody else's set of rules. Like there's no like official I mean, I'm sure you could Google it and there would be somebody saying this is the official rules of eating <laughs> carnivore or that's not carnivore, that's not keto, blah, 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 whatever. But it, it helps you to adhere and you're getting more benefits out of it. Like if you if you just feel like, okay, I'm either gonna do carnivore with my sweetener and my coffee in the morning, or I just can't do carnivore at all. Like, don't let um, perfect be the enemy of good. So design oh, something that works a for good you. one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah. Is that what you said? I yeah. like that. Yeah. I didn't come up with that, but I heard it somewhere. I can't, <laughs> you don't have to. Oh, come on. Take credit. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Official quote from Jess Reed. <laughs> don't let perfect <laughs> be the enemy of good. Let's turn that into a meme. Um, so yeah, I love what you're saying, basically, about you did what works for you, and that the reasons why there might be different variations in it is because maybe of personality approaches, like you said that you're more of an, ab an abstainer than a moderator, and for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, we're referencing something that um, Gretchen Rubin created, this idea that there's, um, you know, if you're going to break people down into two categories, there would be abstainers versus moderators, and yeah. for an abstainer, it's easier to um, make the decision once and just decide, okay, I, I'm just not doing this anymore. These things are just no longer a part of my life. I, um, I don't eat um, bread anymore. Like, and you just boom, make the decision because you don't want to have to think about it over and over again and decide, well, what's a fitting situation for me to have a slice of bread or not or whatever. And then if you do kind of open the door to that, that you find yourself losing control a little bit, like what you mentioned with the keto sweets, like the whole thing is like, it's very difficult for you to moderate. And it actually feels like more self care for you to say, I'm not doing this at all, than to put myself through the pain and stress of trying to moderate it. 
And so then there is another category of people called moderators. And for them, it actually feels like hell on earth to try to abstain from something. Like they need to know that if they're going to go out for Mexican, that they can have 12 chips and sprinkle it on their salad for that little bit of crunch or whatever, even yeah. though it's not keto or whatever. Like there, there's just different types of people. And that's one thing that I had to learn was even though I am an abstainer, um, for a lot of my clients to try to follow the strategies that I would follow would totally backfire because they're a moderator. So, and, yeah. and if I were to try to do that, it would backfire for me. So it's important to take that into account. You know, what's interesting. Um, so I consider myself an abstainer, but there's some periods in life that I can moderate. Like, like I said, if I put the chocolate in my coffee, I don't spiral down. So I think it also depends on certain foods too. Yeah. Um, the hitting that, taste palette and those endorphins that that rush and if it's going to give me that giant endorphin rush i'm going to keep going so to making sure what is it that you can moderate on and for me i feel like i'm almost on an in-between because yeah the chocolate i can i can have a little piece of dark chocolate 100 percent dark chocolate with some salt on it and i'll be fine i won't want more also the why like why are you gravitating to it i know we're not touching on this too much but why am i going to eat Am I feeling emotional? Um, did I just experience something stressful? Am I yep. bored? Like, or am I truly hungry? And what we, one of the practices we have in our house is if I'm going to go reach for a piece of chocolate or crackers or whatever it is, I need to ask myself, would I eat a piece of steak? Would I eat a jerky? Would I eat something protein filled? And if it's a no, then you're not truly hungry. Mm -hmm. But if it's a yes, then okay, eat that protein and then have your little snack after if you want. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's definitely good to check in with yourself regarding emotional eating. And I like that you referenced too about how some things can trigger you and some things don't. So like, it's not necessarily the sweetener that's triggering you. It's taking into um, account the composition of the food that you're eating. So I recently heard um, Ted Naiman was talking about this and he has a great book that just came out called the protein energy diet yeah. or the PE diet. And yeah. so um, somebody was asking him, like, what do you think about keto sweeteners? And he was like, I think they're fine in zero calorie foods. I think they're mm -hmm. dangerous when they're used in like high fat foods, like the keto products or when you're baking with things, yes. because it becomes very difficult to moderate it when you pair um, sweet with fat with fat. salt. I mean, essentially, yeah. that is just like what every processed food in the world does and lights up all yeah. of the you know, pleasure centers in your brain, and it becomes very difficult to moderate. But you know, nobody goes nuts on sugar free gelatin, nobody goes nuts. Like, so I mean, I'm not saying that's the healthiest thing in the world for you. But I'm just saying people don't tend to binge on that. So right. if I and put a little bit, with you. yeah, like, you don't, you're not like, Oh, my gosh, I can't stop eating this New York strip, this ground exactly. beef, you, know, you get satiated, and then you're full. And that's why that helps so much with those that are that are addicted to certain things. Like for myself, my taste palette has changed. There's these little keto crackers that we buy at Costco that I let my son have and the rest of the family will eat. And I tried one the other day and it tasted horrible to me. When I first bought them six, eight months ago and I tried them, they were delicious. So now right. I'm like, I don't have that craving for it anymore. And that's one of the things carnivore does. I'm not a chemo, like, biochemist type of person to say exactly what's changing, but the proof is in the pudding. There's many people that they're just, they don't crave it anymore. And mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. So all in all, you know, there's no need to be dogmatic about it. Just find what works for you and to approach carnivore in a way that's going to work for you, even if it is slightly modified, like you're having your, you know, dark chocolate, or I'm yeah. having my keto sweetener in my coffee, like everybody's allowed to make little modifications that actually help you to adhere long term, as long as it's not harming you, then you know, who cares if it's against the quote, unquote, rules. And the one thing I will say that I do think needs to be dogmatic is making sure you're getting enough fat in. So if you're only eating chicken, turkey, I do have a friend that she like she's doing keto and it's really hard for her to eat any beef. Mm. So she does the chicken, the turkey and all that, but she has to overload on different, not overload, but really indulge the fat into it. Um, so carnivore, some people will do that. They'll do like, there's the protein sparing modified fast going around and people just do that all the time. And it's like, no, if you do that, you can do protein sparing modified fast once a week, which is a leaner protein and lower fat. It's, they do it's called protein sparing because it's sparing the protein, the muscles in your body. So it's kind of just uh, a confusing term. But like basically my diet is a one-to-one -one ratio, about one gram of protein to one gram of fat kind of thing. And most meats, that's how they come. Most of them, not all of them, will be a one-to-one -one fat protein ratio. So it's very easy to track. So I still do like keto macros. It's just all in animal products. So yeah. that is one thing I'd like to make sure, get enough fat. It's really important for your hormones and your brain and all this stuff. Um, don't skip out on it. Yeah, definitely. I've tried um, the protein sparing modified fast before and I did not like it because I felt kind of cruddy. Um, my body is used to running on fat for fuel. And so when you're essentially, basically what you're doing is you're eating zero carb, you're eating protein, um, basically maybe like one gram of um, protein per pound of ideal body weight, we might say, maybe a little bit lower than that. Um, yeah, but essentially like a thousand calories a day of just pure protein and, you know, maybe like 30 grams of fat. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, my body's used to eating like at least 80 grams of fat a day. And yeah. a lot of people will say, now everybody is different, um, but a lot of people will say that they're so full and they're full, so satiated on that because of all the protein. Um, but for me, I found myself actually obsessing over food even more because I wasn't getting enough fat and I was not feeling good throughout the day. And I don't like being hungry in between meals. And I, that's how mm -hmm. I was feeling. So for me, it didn't work very well, but yeah. you're exactly right. Um, you, sometimes you have to add a little bit of extra fat if it's a lean cut of meat or fish, like, like shrimp or, you know, yes. halibut or tilapia, you know, like right. some, some fish, maybe salmon has a little bit more fat, but you know, don't be afraid to add some butter on top of it or with yeah. chicken breast, you know, like cook it in oil or like a healthy oil, something like that. Well, in your taste palette, like I was saying, when it changes, like I, I can't eat lean mat or sorry, lean meat without yeah. fat. It just doesn't taste good to me. So I, yeah. I, I feel again, it's getting to that stress aspect. Like, Oh, I have to do this. No, it's food is meant to be pleasurable, but it's also meant to be fuel for your body. So you make it a little bit of both. Um, don't force yourself there. Your body's telling you something like I need something else. And I, I the same thing happened to me. I tried a couple days of uh, protein sparing and I, I still make the bread. There's like Maria Emmerich has a protein yeah. sparing modified bread. I do that here and there. Um, if we're having some kind of saucy steak, you can soak up the butter and stuff. But um, so I do do stuff like that, but I don't do it with the purpose of the fast. Um, like, like you said, I just, once the food touched my mouth, I'm like, I need to feel full. 
my body has plenty of energy that can burn off still. So yeah, I'm sticking to what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's not about, first of all, nobody's going to do anything long-term that feels miserable. And you're, you're supposed to enjoy your food. You're supposed to enjoy yeah. your life. Like, no, none of us were created to have our brains hijacked by, you know, the, the food that exists uh, in the, the processed food aisle <laughs> of the supermarket. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But totally, like, enjoy your bacon, enjoy your steak, you know, like that we are yeah. meant to enjoy our food or created that way on purpose so that we don't die. Because if it weren't a pleasurable experience, we probably wouldn't do it enough to keep living. <laughs> so no, exactly. It's okay to exactly. enjoy your food. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of been talking about what you do eat on carnivore and, you know, now let's talk about what you avoid, which is basically like any kind of plant, um, fruits mm -hmm. and vegetables. So, you know, I'm sure people are concerned that are listening, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What about like vitamins and minerals? Like, um, and why would I not eat plants? Like, so before we talk about how, um, you know, are we missing anything in our diet by not having plants? Could you tell us why they actually might be harmful for some people? Like when you do an elimination diet, like what are we actually eliminating and why that's actually in those plants? I love the way you worded that. That's a really, a really prominent question. So um, plant, primal health, we tend to look at things ancestrally and the makeup of all the stuff. So anyways, plants, um, they have no way to defend themselves. So they create something, they have their own little defense, like they can't claw if an animal's coming to eat them. So their defense mechanism are things like phytates. Um, some of them have oxalates, and then I'm blanking out on the other one. Lectins. But they're, they're, what was that? Lectins. Yes, thank you, lectins. So seeds, almonds, nuts, they also have those too. So for some people, they can be much more sensitive to those anti-nutrients, and that's what a lot of them have they block out the nutrients that you're trying your body's trying to absorb so some people are more sensitive to it some they can deal with it again that's the awesome part of this community this atmosphere is figuring out what works for you so because plants have those um for some people it starts blocking out the nutrients that they mean to absorb and then they start feeling the fatigue the brain fog the stomach issues, the bloating. I don't care what people say that bloating's normal. Bloating's not normal. I haven't had bloating in six months. I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'll correct that. Introducing the broccoli, I started getting bloating again. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it for now. So, um, yeah, so that's one of the main things. It's their defense mechanism. Another thing is high fiber can cause issues for some people. Example, my husband who has colitis, the doctor would always tell him, well, you need to add more fiber to bulk up the stool. If you don't know what colitis is, it's a digestive autoimmune disease that causes people to have to literally run to the bathroom. They cannot hold it in. And there's um, other issues that I'll spare on here. So their philosophy was add more fiber, bulk it up, and you'll be fine. But every time he did that, it got worse. So by eliminating majority of plants with high fiber it helped to calm his colitis as well as processed foods and sugars and stuff but um he does notice if he does too many vegetables it starts to get a little eh, not comfortable um so yeah for some people it'll cause it some people it does help um the second half of that question was remind me 
why are they harmful, basically, for some people? Uh, are they harmful for everybody? Because you're mentioning like anti-nutrients and that might be, whoa, what's an anti-nutrient? And like, right. are they not meant to be consumed? Like, should we all be avoiding these things or just certain people that have certain issues, um, you know, should avoid them? Yeah, I think it's more, so it's not, it's, there's different levels of anti-nutrients. If you're having spinach three times a day, that's really high in oxalates, that can cause some issues. That probably will cause some issues. So everything in, I, I hate the term, but basically like everything in moderation in a sense. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't know enough about the science as far as if it's like genetic or environmental, but you eventually kind of start figuring it out on your own of what's working and what's not. Um, keeping a food log and the emotions and physical effects after eating is very helpful to do that so i had broccoli and chicken tonight um was gassy throughout the night you know next night you had chicken and i don't know salad but you were fine so it's not the chicken it was probably the broccoli you tried broccoli again another time so that's the whole process of figuring out if it's working for you or not um but yeah the anti-nutrients it's not going to block out all nutrients you know you're still going to get some but you may not get as much as uh yeah. Okay, so I guess how do you know if um, you should really be avoiding it? Because you said bloating's not normal. You know, gas is not normal. And and I actually agree with you. I hate bloating. I hate gas. Yeah. Like to me, that's just the worst. And when I was a vegetarian, I was gassy all the freaking time. But like, you know, then it's like, okay, beans, beans, the magical fruit, you know, like, or like the cruciferous <laughs> vegetables, like cabbage makes everybody gassy. So how do you know if you like actually have some kind of an intolerance to it where you should probably cut it out of your life versus like, okay, you know, your piece smells like asparagus when you eat asparagus. Like, does that yeah. mean you like, <laughs> how can you Which tell? I never learned that till my husband told me and then I was scarred after. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So Judy Cho, if people don't know, is a great person on Instagram. She's a nutritionist um, and she wrote a book called The Carnivore Cure. And she really takes carnivore as an elimination diet. She walks through it. And as far as all those things like why plants might be bad, she is so good at bringing it down to layman's term. And she explains it all in her book. So free promo for you, Judy. <laughs> here's, here's something for your book. But I do encourage people to read that um, just to get educated on both sides of everything. So really, I think if people are experiencing symptoms that they do not feel are good for them like they're not comfortable i keep bringing up the bloating one but even the brain fog and energy and fatigue the afternoon slump for some people i do encourage doing carnivore for minimal of three months um i do let them have dairy try to keep it to the small part but then after those three months if you want to start reintroducing you have to make sure everything's good and and judy has a her own protocol in her book too, if people want something more solidified, but then slowly introducing a vegetable. So for me, I really liked my broccoli. So that was the first one I reintroduced was I'm going to have broccoli, just a little like half cup worth the first day to not freak out my system. The next day have a little bit more and the third day have the same. If I'm okay and I don't notice any difference, broccoli's not the culprit. Um, some people will do things like a FODMAP diet um, which is a, another version of the elimination diet. Um, so I would say for that, whoever it is, do an elimination diet and figure out what could be causing it. Um, yeah, so it's, I do have like an occasional Brazil nut 
thing here and there to help with selenium as well. Uh, but that's because of an issue I have. Not everybody needs it. And, and it's not causing any issues for me. Right. So why not have it? You know, you know, again, the strictness, the mindset, the stress of it, don't freak out about it. But elimination diet, that's, you're going to get all the nutrients you need if you're eating different cuts of meat and fish. Um, some people, some carnivores don't eat fish. They feel they don't need it. Okay. They know their bodies more than I do. I personally, from my um, experience studying women's hormones, omega-3 is pretty darn important. Um, so I think having fish at least once a week is really good. Yeah. Okay. So you're definitely making sure that you get a lot of variety within the animal kingdom. Um, yeah. So basically, if somebody is like, maybe I don't know if I have any kind of issues eating plants or vegetables, what you're saying is like, okay, I guess we could say that, sure, you could go get an, a food intolerance test, you could go pay a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars to go find yeah. out that information and poop in a box and send it in the mail. And like, whenever I see those commercials, I just crack up. It's so weird, but incredible that we have this. Oh right? <laughs> yeah. So if you have those concerns, um, yeah, you could pay a bunch of money and, and run tests just for it to tell you like, yeah, you might want to avoid broccoli or you could just do some self experimentation, try a carnivore diet because it is the basically the easiest elimination diet. There are other elimination diets that you could go look up and you're going to eliminate nightshades and avoid, you know, the onions and the tomatoes and avoid this, that and the other and look up a whole list. Or you could just be like, you know what, I'm kind of a minimalist, I'm just going to eat meat for a little while. And that's pretty much going to automatically um, allow you to eliminate foods that might be aggravating you, right? And then yeah. see how you feel. Because like you said, you don't know how good you can feel until you know how good you can feel. If you're yeah. thinking right now, well, I don't have to do this. I don't have any problem digesting plants. But maybe you're a little bit curious as we're talking about it. Like, why not just try it for a little while? Um, and then the question probably comes up, well, would I be hurting myself to try it though? You know, like, are, is there a benefit trade-off? Because like, if I'm not experiencing any kind of negative symptoms that I'm aware of, or maybe I'm normalizing them and I'm not aware of them, but I'm curious to try this, then my next question would be, if I were a concerned person, well, might I do more damage by actually avoiding plants? Like, hmm. what am I going to miss out on? Aren't there key nutrients, vitamins and minerals that I can only get from plants? Or is that not true? So what are we missing anything if we only eat carnivore? I don't think so. I mean, one of the things I do want to say, obviously, is always check with your trusted doctor, whoever it is that you trust. Um, my doctor prescribes ketogenic carnivore to all his patients who are diabetic insulin resistance and stuff. So I trust him to look over all those things with me. Um, so make sure your doctor is a trusted doctor. That being said, I don't, you know, the research I've done, there's nothing missing. Um, if any, if you do feel depleted in any way, there's something else going on, like a cell receptors aren't working or insulin receptors aren't working. Some, something's not going right. But for me, like my insulin just went super low, which helped to control a lot of things. So certain vegetables and fruits and stuff that would spike my insulin, um, it's very controlled now. It's very just baseline. The past mm -hmm. few tests I've had, I don't see any nutrients being missed as long again as you have a variety um pork different cuts again different cuts of beef chicken eggs eggs are a huge nutrient dense food like mm -hmm. we go through 
probably about three dozen eggs a week, mm -hmm. our family. So mm -hmm. it's just, there's, there's nothing. Better. So yeah, as long, again, as long as it's a variety, you'll get it all. Yeah. Okay. I know that um, because I follow certain carnivore, you know, podcasts and influencers and everything. Some people say like, okay, but if you're going to eat carnivore, if you're going to really try to not get any missing vitamins and nutrients, you have to eat nose to tail is this term that they throw around. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Can you tell us what is nose to tail? Do you subscribe to this idea? Or do you think that you can, you know, be totally fine on carnivore, even if you don't do nose to tail? Okay, I'm laughing because this is such a hot topic in the carnivore yeah. space right now is the nose yeah. to tail is the liver aspect of it. Yeah, I don't do complete nose to tail. I do incorporate liver. I do not like the taste of it. So what I do is I'll do a three to one ratio. I'll uh, buy a bunch of ground beef, blend it in my food process. Well, sorry, I'll do the liver first. The liver in the uh, food processor, blend it up, and then I add the ground beef. And then I make a bunch of burgers, and I freeze them, and I pull out one every couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Ancestrally, um, the liver is like the most nutrient dense, and they would give it to the women who were trying to get pregnant, which is very mm -hmm. fascinating because of that vitamin A it's there's just huge amounts of vitamin a in it and that's part of the controversy right now in the carnivore space again i'm not the scientist so i like to listen to both sides and and just do a well-informed decision um and what i mean by that is the vitamin a since there's so much some people believe you can get toxic from too much vitamin a mm -hmm. again i i don't know enough about that i like to hear both sides and take it into consideration and that's about that so I do liver. Um, I don't do kidneys or any of the other ones just because I don't notice anything that I need to add. I'm doing mm -hmm. fine with just that one burger every couple weeks that has some liver in it. And I'll, I'll taste it up with some, I do do mayo. That's one thing that's not carnivore. Um, but I'll put some mayo and honey mustard and stuff and, or not honey mustard, Dijon mustard. And it kind of helps to hide the taste a little. And then obviously salt. Salt is a very big one on carnivore because you need that sodium. So tend to oversalt the foods. But eventually your taste bud notices it. And if you only put a little, it's like, oh, it needs more salt. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I just can't do it with the liver or like kidneys or hearts or tongue. I did have a tongue recently, and it was really? actually really good. It was at a Lingua. Korean barbecue. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. that one actually was, I was surprised. I was kind of nervous, but I was, wow, this, it, it was, it was very delicious. Yeah, yeah. And even for those of us that, like, are carnivore and we can get behind it, like, yeah, I, I like meat, I love meat, but, like, you know, for some reason in our culture, it's definitely, like, a cultural conditioning thing, and probably because we weren't brought up to have our taste buds enjoy that type of taste. Yeah. Um, it, we've just kind of like told ourselves or, you know, have learned, I don't really want to eat this. I don't, I don't like this. Some people do liver capsules. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, basically you're suggesting like that you kind of like hide your liver inside of your ground beef and like barely notice it or whatever. I know some people yeah. do that. Some people can take liver capsules. You can buy those. Um, yeah. And then I have heard some people say like, okay, but nose to tail is basically um, eating the entire organism. And so there are other ways to do that that don't sound as unappetizing. So eggs is eating the entire organism. You, so eating yeah. an egg is eating, quote unquote, nose to tail. So it's yeah. one of the most nutrient dense foods you can get. Also seafood. So like um, shrimp, scallops, oysters, mussels, all of those things, you're still getting all of that. If, so if you can't handle liver, 
but you're like, oh yeah, I can get behind some, you know, some shrimp. Like I can eat like a full pound of shrimp, no problem. So, you know, that's where I tend to justify like the, the nose to tail aspect. And, you know, some people like sardines as well. I don't really, um, you know, like open up a can of sardines and just like eat. I'm like, mm, I can't do that, but I can ground it up and put it in Caesar salad dressing and sure. Like, but... yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will do sardines. I have to be in the mood for it. There's some days that I'm like, oh, why did I open this? And then some days I put it with my scrambled, like a soft scrambled egg and kind of warm it just a little. And it's delicious. And it's amazing. Again, being so in tune with your body, your body's telling you, nah, I don't need what those sardines have to offer. Other days I really need, like maybe it's the omega-3 or something like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. Um, one other thing about the liver Dang it. It slipped my head again. Shoot. Never mind. It's gone. That's okay. So would you, what's your opinion on this? Like is carnivore really just meant to be like a temporary intervention, like as an elimination diet, or is it okay for it to be a lifestyle? And how do you know? Here's the thing. I don't think anybody really knows. Um, if you're going to base things in science, there's, there's no carnivore clinical studies out there. Dr. Sean Baker is currently raising funds to do carnivore clinical studies. So if you want to support something like that, head to his Instagram, click the link and help support that. Um, really, it's all anecdotal right now, which means just what people are experiencing. So, I mean, there's some long-term carnivores out there. Kelly Hogan, Dr. Lisa. Um, I know there's some others and I can't think of them right now. Sean Baker, obviously. And you can just see in them how well they're doing. The hard part with that is to be fair, because I always like to be fair. There are some vegetarians and vegans that are living a great life, you know, and it's like, okay, they, they're having kids, they're having their cycles. So as far as like carnivore being permanent or temporary, my own personal view is, again, food being pleasurable, you want to be able to have it, have a variety if you can. So in my practice, I like to use it as a temporary tool. Again, minimal three months, awesome of six months if you really want max effects. And um, then slowly reintroduce stuff. There are some people when they do go into the reintroduction phase, realizing nothing works um, and nothing sits well with them. So they stay on carnivore. Now, again, most people, it's been three to five years. Those are like starting to be the, OGs in a sense, so long-term people. Um, but that's, I don't feel that's long enough to know if it can be permanent. So yeah, I, that's not what I would suggest for my clients yet until I learn right. more. And, and there may be stuff out there that I don't know yet, but that's, you know, if there is, I am always one to be willing to learn. So, but these, these long-term carnivores, it's working for them. So yeah. it, it could be. I, I don't see if you're getting all the nutrients you need, I don't see the issue with it. Yeah, yeah. Probably from like an, you know, an anthropological point of view, we would probably think that, you know, humans have survived on a mixture of plants and animals throughout most of human history. But there are, you know, certain locations and certain tribes of people that have survived on strictly carnivore. And yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget the person that did the study, but I know it was in the 1950s right when, um, you know, basically low fat was starting to become um, the, the common narrative of like, this is a picture of health. And, you know, unless you want to die of a heart attack, or you're going to get heart disease, or you're going to have high cholesterol or whatever, 
if you consume too much saturated fat, which is, you know, animal fat and everything. Ansel Keys? Ansel Keys was the promoter of low fat. Yeah. But then there was somebody who was kind of like um, trying to prove him wrong. And he went to go visit um, the Inuit up in Alaska. And because these people have survived basically just like eating whales, you know, all year long. Um, So like high fat meat. And he thought for sure, these people are probably going to have cholesterol through the roof. They're going to be obese. They're going to have heart problems. Absolutely not. No, they were like a a picture of health. And so, but then, you know, then there's like the blue zone diets. And and so these people like are Mediterranean. And so it's like, oh, it's better to eat, you know, like chicken and fish and avoid red meat and, you know, get your fat from unsaturated fat, like olive oil and yada, yada. But the thing that I take away from it is that humans are really, really adaptable. And as long as we're not eating processed crap that was made in a lab, like we can really survive pretty well off of anything that planet earth, you know, has to offer, whether that be animals or plants, but no, that's very true. Ancestrally, that's what it is. I mean, you, you know, you look at the hunter gatherers and they go out and they go and kill the animal and they eat as much as they can at that time because they don't have fridges to put meat in. Um, the, and then the liver, this is the thing I was going to say, the liver, like the organs and stuff, they would split with their tribe. So you're not getting a lot of liver right. at one time. There are people that will eat like a whole liver a day kind of thing. And I'm like, ancestrally, that's not what our, our people did. It was kill one and then probably fast for a day or two until the next kill. Um, the fruits... The fruits and the nuts and the seeds also looked very different than what they look now. So we have adapted, for the most part, to the fruits and vegetables that we have today. However, if you look at pictures of, like, what wild blueberries used to look like or Mm -hmm. strawberries, the strawberries now we get so excited when they're, like, a big, juicy, plump one. They used to be so tiny. Um, So all these things have evolved, not evolved, but have changed in the agriculture time, the civilization of agriculture so um yeah it's some people adapted and some that might be why it's hard for them to eat is because it's not what our bodies used to be right right and even you know on the topic of using carnivore as a short-term elimination diet the whole reason that we would even need to use an elimination diet is to heal our bodies from how Mm -hmm. they have become um sick based off of the modern day type of food that we are eating that we were never really meant to eat, you know, from having insulin resistance or from having um, an intolerance to modern day gluten, which is completely different from ancient gluten and ancient grains, you know, like, I sometimes will have people ask me like, well, you know, why is bread wrong? Or like, even well meaning, like, honest to God, like, you know, people that are like people of faith, you know, and they'll be like, but Jesus ate bread, you know, like, how can, yeah. like, why? That was a question God, I had at one point. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And God made fruit, you know, like, why would I avoid these things? Like, and it just honestly doesn't make sense to them. And I can totally understand that. But we have to think about, you know, the bread that Jesus ate when he was walking the earth is completely different from the bread that exists today, because we yeah. have completely modernized gluten you know, it's nothing like what it used to be. And so that's why our bodies are intolerant to it because our bodies haven't adapted as much as the food that we have. We've completely changed food. Right. No, exactly. It's, and it's funny, like, I don't know, this is kind of a side tangent, but when I make reels and sometimes, you know, you get on that reel thing and you're starting to watch them all. 
And all the people that are, there was like one common one recently. It was like, how can you live life without eating bread? Like bread is everything. And I'm like, I'm living life more now than not having bread. Like it's, it's freedom. Isn't necessarily the option to do whatever you want. Freedom of your body and of your spirit and your mindset. You need restriction to have freedom in a sense. Like you have to, have those boundaries and then you actually begin to feel more free so when people are like oh you can't eat this no i choose not to eat it because i right. choose not to have the side effects of it so to have that choice in there it's sometimes that little tweak of words can make a difference oh absolutely our our thoughts create our reality and our language creates our reality and so you know i i like to not use the word restrictions with my clients i like to use the word boundaries because yeah. we set a boundary to keep ourselves safe and to make our life better. You know, um, you wear a seatbelt to protect yourself and to make yourself, you know, safer and to help other people be safer yeah. as well. But it improves the quality of your life and allows you to have experiences that you would not otherwise been able to have, you know? Um, yeah. So a boundary is so much better than using the word restriction. And like you said, you know, we can do anything that we want. It's when we tell ourselves that we can't do something or we, or we feel restricted or we feel like we can't or we shouldn't, that that's when we start to rebel against it. And so, yeah. you know, I, the, for people of faith that listen and I'm like, well, what about, you know, G Jesus ate bread and God made fruit and yada, yada. Well, also everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so you're allowed to do whatever the heck you want, whenever you want to, every day of your life, you have free will, you can put whatever you want to in your mouth. It's up to you. No one is yeah. holding a gun to your head saying you can't eat whatever. No one is holding a gun to your head saying you must eat this. You have right. complete freedom at all times, but you choose not to because you have learned this just isn't beneficial for me. It's not worth it. Yeah, I agree. There's nothing else yeah. to say on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, while we're on the topic of eating meat and, you know, how God designed things and all of, you know, all of this topic, like, how about the ethics of eating meat? Because I know that we probably have some, um, you know, people. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Um, so I know that we probably have some people who, you know, they're not here to be haters. They're not here to argue. But honestly, they're just like have a sincere, um, you know, conflict on the inside of like, I feel compassion for animals. Um, and I just can't justify like killing animals. <laughs> like, I'm really struggling. Have you had any any clients? struggle with this or anybody approach you in your life and be like, how can you eat that much meat? Um, have you ever felt that inside of yourself? Or what would you say to somebody that is feeling like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I, I don't necessarily think that it's unhealthy, but I just feel like that's not compassionate or not the right thing to do. Yeah. I luckily have not had anybody come to me about it. I have seen it in the carnivore space. People share some of those experiences if I did have a client in that situation, obviously approaching with sincerity, like you're saying, like, I understand it's valid concern, etc. But just bringing the facts like, okay, is it just about the fact that the animal is killed? Is it like some people talk about the environment, you know, and what the cows are doing? And I'm like, okay, there are way bigger issues than the methane of cows. You know, it's the factories that are producing processed foods, the factories that are uh, all the agriculture stuff that's doing with the plants, the glyphosate that they're spraying on. Like there are so many other things in the plant kingdom 
um, that are contributing to the environment for our part. That I would say the environment one is the more that I've heard of than the killing of the actual animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the animal, I mean, again, we look at history and the history aspect of it is that's what we did. We hunted, we gathered, we ate. And that's how we thrived. So, and Jimmy says here, uh, more animals are killed making plants than animals. And that was the other one I was thinking of too. But just, yeah, it's the way, again, coming from a spiritual side, the way God created, here's, this was for us, both plants and animals, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but we've already touched on the point how some of the plants have changed over time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to force anybody Again, I'm not going to say you need to eat meat, you need to have fish or anything like that. Will you thrive more? Yes. Here's an example. Even religion, you know, there are some religions. My family is 50% Hindu. My dad's side is all um, from India. So they are meatless. But there's this awesome carnivore, and I'm blanking on his name right now. If anybody remembers it, throw it in the comments. He's an Indian, um, and he has promoted and helped educate a bunch of Indians about the carnivore um, lifestyle and how it has helped him. And, the, and and he has like ways and tricks of working around it. And I've listened to him. He's been on some podcasts. I think it's like carnivore superstar or something like that's his name. Um, but I do want to be respectful if they have a religion, you know, something like that. It's, it's actually not one I've had to tackle yet. So I need to work on it a little more. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. I, back going back to Jimmy's comment that more animals are killed making plants than animals, and what he's really referencing is like modern day agriculture. The way that humans yeah. have just, um, you know, agriculture is like one of the biggest money makers for the United States, and you know, so mm-hmm. we've got tons of corn. We're turning that into high fructose corn syrup and selling products, and you know, yada yada yada. So there's money to be made on agriculture. There's also a lot of money to be made in the way that factory farming is done, you know, unethically. So both carnivores and vegetarians or vegans could be absolutely on the same page, being totally against factory farming and the way that animals are treated unethically. And there can be ethical ways to go about it or the most ethical way possible to Mm -hmm. give an animal a good life and kill them without any pain or whatever, which is, you know, a lot of the dietary laws in the Bible or in any kind of ancient text, that's exactly what it was referencing. Like kosher laws were all about, well, how the animal was treated and how the animal was killed was of the utmost importance um, because there's still dignity of of all life involved. And so, yeah, 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 I'm glad you brought that point up. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is like, well, somebody might say, well, I just can't do it. I don't want to be responsible for taking the life of an animal. And, you know, a lot of times you might think that you are not taking the lives of any animals by not eating meat, but that's actually not true because all of the vegetables and plants that you're consuming, a lot of animals were killed in the process of making those plants. Um, Smaller Mm -hmm. animals, you know, like bunnies or gophers or whatever that died as a result of clearing the land or died as a result of all the chemicals that were sprayed on those plants that you were eating. So, you know, is the life of a larger cow more valuable than the life of a bunny? Like, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Like, these are the types of conversations that can really go down the spiral of like ethical treatment um, and eating animals in an ethical or not eating animals in an ethical way. It's pretty complicated and it's not cut and dry or black and white. No. And it's, I mean, like one of the struggles I had 
beginning carnivore, I was thinking if everybody's supposed to eat this much meat, like how do we have enough cows and pigs and everything to feed everybody this much? So that's actually one that I've come across that's semi-related. Um, and the answer is agriculture is taking that away um, by all the cornfields and primarily corn and wheat and all that. That's not even what corn and wheat used to be. It's totally changed. And there's the, the subsidies that are paid to products to use the high fructose corn syrup. And that's why those foods are so much cheaper because they're actually getting paid to use those ingredients. And, and it's taking away the grasslands and all that that the cows and all the ruminants get to roam on and eat and just the regenerative mm -hmm. effect that happens. So agriculture is killing it, unfortunately, uh, and killing more of the animals where we would have had lots of different kinds around to feed plenty of people. Yeah. If anybody is interested more on this topic, um, there's a really great book out right now called Sacred Cow. And yes. it's written by um, Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf. And you can actually follow both of them online and consume a lot of their content for free, even if you don't buy the book. But um, it's kind of the premise of what we're talking about here. Uh, like, like, not so fast. It's not that cut and dry, actually. Like, if, it, if it's about compassion for animals, um, you know, let's look at it from this point of view. Or if it's about, you know, not hurting the environment, let's look at it from this point of view. Because yeah. there's always, um, everybody's always presenting you with um, a biased point of view. And it's very difficult to get unbiased information. So what I always try to do is read both sides. And, you yeah. know, just try to try to keep an open mind, try to, um, you know, be willing to change your mind in light of new evidence. I think that that's a sign of, um, you know, just growth and respecting other people's lives and really not demonizing one thing or another, just holding everything, you know, stand for your values. But in terms of like other people's behavior, like, okay, sometimes it can just be you know, okay for some people to live that way. And that's not, I don't have to demonize that and vice versa, because I want to be respected for the way that I choose to eat and live my life. Yeah. I don't want anybody demonizing me. So I certainly don't want to do that to anybody else. No, exactly. I actually just got that book um, a few weeks ago, but I just started um, Dr. James Dinoca, D I can never say his last name, DiNicolatano's book, The Salt Fix, which has been on my yeah. list for a really long time. Yeah. So I'm zipping through that one so I can start the sacred cow and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all in all, um, you know, if anybody's interested in carnivore specifically, it's a great elimination diet. Um, it also does help with weight loss. Um, my story with carnivore is that I approached it just for, just for an experiment. I love experimenting and just yeah. for weight loss. Um, and actually there's um, some low carb protocols that will use carnivore. Um, and I know that you've mentioned like, I have to keep my clients on it for three months. Well, the reason that you're saying that is because for the purpose of an, an elimination diet and to really heal the body. But if it's used only for weight loss, you can still see results from maybe just trying like a couple of days a week of carnivore or um, the Ducan diet is really, really popular in Europe. And essentially it is like a, like a different version of Atkins or like a low carb or keto diet. And they do one day a week of essentially carnivore on Mondays is carnivore. And that's yeah. how, um, you know, Princess Kate lost all of her weight or now she's, you know, a duchess or whatever. But like, so I probably completely botched that. So I'm sorry for anybody who's British. Or, <laughs> but um, yeah, you see the stuff like, oh, the Ducan diet helped these people to lose all this weight. So it's not completely crazy. 
Um, and if you don't call it carnivore, some people call it like pure protein days. Maria Emmerich used to call it that. Like, because sometimes yeah. you think carnivore and we're just like, ooh, bloodthirsty, weird, you know, whatever you kind of like have your stomach turned to it. I did um, 30 days straight of carnivore and I approached it for weight loss and for experimentation because I was still um, a weight loss coach at that time. Um, but I hadn't lost all of my baby weight at the time. And um, I lost 10 pounds in a month. And I actually felt amazing. Like I felt the way that I felt when I first started eating keto. Um, probably my ketones probably went through the roof. I wasn't testing at the time. But it was probably the higher ketones that made me feel like so much more energy, better mood, way less bloat. Um, and actually, I did feel like I even had somewhat of a transition of like the keto flu type of symptoms. Like I had a couple of rough days. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but that, that was my experience with it. I did it for a full month. I did find that it was kind of challenging with like going out to eat, but I was still able to stick with it. I looked up certain restaurants where you could kind of do stuff yeah. like a la carte, like here in Virginia Beach, we have this place called Mission Barbecue. It's like a barbecue joint where you can literally just go and you can order just meat or, you know, going out to eat, I would get like an appetite. Like I would just get just chicken wings. Um, that way you're not kind of like ordering just an a la carte ribeye. You could totally do that if you wanted to, yeah. but um, a bunless burger. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit challenging when going out to eat, but I was able to still make it work. Brazilian steakhouse is the absolute best to do if yes. you're a carnivore. Yes. <laughs> So if you're going to spend money on going out to eat, oh man, you got to go to the Brazilian steakhouse and get That's all the, the whole thing. Don't go to a Brazilian steakhouse and it is so yeah. worth it. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. going to say one of the things um, a friend of mine had mentioned as far as doing carnivore and vacations, for example, what to do. Um, one of them is even just bringing like a bag of meat with you a little, mm -hmm. and hopefully it, it might be a little awkward depending on the friends, but uh, most friends wouldn't really care. You know, there's that, but then also just calling the restaurants ahead of time and saying like, Hey, I have some strict allergies. And I mean, you do, you don't, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, I consider it an allergy if my body's reacting to it negatively, like certain foods. Yeah. So just saying I have some strict allergies. I can't have any sugar or gluten. Um, can I have like a type of meat that does not have any rubs or any, um, sauces on them do you guys do that uh, and just trying to work around that and it's it's as simple as doing that so that in the moment when you're around your friends or family or co-workers whatever you don't have to feel all awkward and asking the waitress a ton of questions that she doesn't know the answer to so just calling ahead of time and figuring it out this weekend my husband and I are going to the Las Vegas keto expo so I made a bunch of jerky to bring with us and we're going to bring some burgers and ribeyes keep them at the B&B that we're staying at and um, bring it, then bring it to the conference. I mean, it's a keto conference. There'll probably be keto options, but even though I'm slowly introducing veggies, I've only introduced two and I'm still like 98% animal based. So we'll bring some hard boiled eggs and stuff. It's, it's, again, it's that mindset thing of figuring out how can I make this easier and working out a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're talking about how you're reintroducing foods and that's okay too. So for people like whatever ends up working for you, like, you know, maybe some people use the words, there's so many terms floating out there, but carnivore ish, um, yeah. keto vore is keto another word, like combining keto and carnivore. I've heard carnivore adjacent before. Um, so these would probably be the categories that I would use for myself because even after going um, carnivore and then when I started bringing foods back in, like I still don't eat a lot of vegetables because 
I found that I didn't miss them very much. And like you said, it, it really causes a lot of bloat and, and gas for me. So like, I found no problem at all, just not bringing vegetables back into my life on a daily basis. I might have them once in a while when I go out to eat because it comes with the sides as my food, but on a daily basis, I don't really consume a lot of vegetables. I did miss salad. Um, so, and like romaine lettuce, I'm fine. I have really no um, negative effects with that. And sometimes the volume just helps to have like a big, huge, you know, bed of romaine and then yeah. put your meat on top of that or your egg salad or your tuna salad on top of that. And it just feels good to have that as something, a variety on the weekends. Um, some people like to bring back in avocado or fruit like berries. A lot of people don't have much intolerance to those, even though they might have an intolerance to, um, you know, like cruciferous vegetables or something like that. Yeah. 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 Avocado is the next one I want to try. I do miss having some avocado with my eggs fried in the yeah. butter and everything. It's so I'm going to probably try that one next and see how it works. My husband, he has a huge histamine reaction to avocados. So he's super mm -hmm. bummed. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, I think it's great that you're experimenting. And when you said over um, Instagram, you did a story and then you ended up doing a post like that you were reintroducing foods. The question that I asked you was like, do you feel weird? Like it's like an identity shift because like now you're changing, like you call yourself a carnivore for so long and you kind of shared like the answer was really no, right? No, it's not. I, this is the thing. I hate the labels. I, mm -hmm. I do because it does become really, like you said, I don't like to use the word restriction and it yeah. feels very restricted. You have to fit yourself into this box of what is carnivore. But the bottom line is like someone else mentioned the other day, most carnivores are having coffee that's made from a bean, you know, and, and some of them are having chocolate. Some of them, it, it's what works. So, um, I, I, if someone doesn't like that, I'm doing that or like the waffles that you showed me, the carnivore yeah. waffles and someone had mentioned there's cornstarch like in the bacon. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's okay with me. That's fine. You know, I, there's very, very few carnivores out there that I know of that don't have something that's not animal based. Like they are having something else because their body takes it. Stop stressing out about being in a box. Like let yourself enjoy, make it a pleasurable journey because then you're going to stick to it more. Like you said. And um, yeah, so I, I, I use the term carnivore or animal based is another one I like because carnivores started to become faddish like keto was. Um, and, and it is, it's animal based, like just cause something's based in it doesn't mean that's all you can do. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about today, but unfortunately we're out of time, um, was yeah. your experience with inositol. So if there's anybody that's listening right now, that was kind of curious about that, I'm just going to ask them to hop on over to your page when we wrap up and go check out, you have a highlight about it. Mm -hmm. um, your inositol experiment and essentially what it is, is it's a natural supplement that can help you to reduce your blood sugar. And it's been super helpful with you with struggling with PCOS and maybe people that are listening who have insulin resistance or diabetes or something might be interested in this. So I really wish we had time, but unfortunately we're running out of time. So if you guys are interested, jump on over to Jen's page to learn a little bit more about inositol. But for anybody that is interested in working with you um, or learning more about that, what type of services that do you offer and where can people connect with you? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's been fun chatting and face-to-face. Uh, -face. So for myself, I'm on Instagram mostly. I do have a Facebook page, but I feel like that's going to start disappearing because I am never on there. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm very active on Instagram. 
Um, I have a link in my profile for um, a quick chat discovery call. I'm hoping to do a carnivore group coach um, in November. So if you are interested in just getting together with a group of people, send me a message on Instagram and just say, hey, I'm interested in the carnivore group coaching. It basically would consist of weekly Zoom chats, accountability. Um, You'd have access to me throughout the time to help with with all that. And we'd all become like one fun little community. Um, I'd give a little introduction on what to do in the first meeting. And then we uh, check up on each other's goals and share each other's stories. So it's kind of just a fun little community thing that um, I wanted to do. So that's the best place to reach me. If you do want one-on-one coaching, I do have a link on that in my profile at on Instagram to set up a call that we can chat and see if I'd be a good fix. The primary women or the primary people I work with are women under 40. Um, like before menopause, I haven't specialized enough in menopause yet. So prior to that, who are either insulin resistant, um, things like PCOS, PMS, difficult cramps. I am a trained symptothermal fertility awareness practitioner as well. Um, so I do have the studies in women's cycles and hormones, um, and there's always stuff to learn more. So I'm still learning more about it. Uh, but yeah, that's my primary audience that I target. Yeah, that is so awesome. So guys, if you're listening, if you feel like something's just not right, you think your body could benefit from some healing, maybe you have hormonal issues like PCOS, or you have insulin resistance, or even, you know, digestive issues or anything like that, or you just want to try carnivore as a form of weight loss or any kind of ancestral eating, and you just think Jen is as awesome as I think she is, make sure that you go get that free 30 minute call. Why would you not do that? It's totally free. Just head on over to her page and click that link and make sure that you're following her. She's at Jen. She's at coach Jen Winkler on Instagram. And yes, thank you so much, Jen. We really appreciate you so much, Jen teaching us all about how we can eat carnivore as a form of self-care. We really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. You have a good one. All right. Have a great rest of your week. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.